Today, we're talking about the one thing that you can do as a podcaster that will completely change everything else about your podcast and whether you can monetize it or not. Let's get to it. So the real question is this, how can podcasters like us who've done the work, built a following, and actually made a difference monetize our podcast without selling out to sponsors who don't really value our community anyway? That is the question, and this is the answer. Welcome to Podcast Monetization Secrets. Hey everybody, Christy Hostler here, and welcome to Podcast Monetization Secrets. This is the show where we're talking to people who want to monetize their podcast, and I am so excited to share with you today. I have kind of a little bit of a moment of truth to share with you. I've gotten to help over my career in podcasting. Just tons and tons of podcasters launch their podcast, and I love doing it. I love helping people get their shows out to the world. But some of the things that we've had to do prior to launching podcasts many times is have the talk about monetization. And many of them that are starting out want to monetize. And they have the misconception that the only way you can monetize is through sponsorships. Now, I'm going to start by taking you back to whenever I began as a podcaster. I began podcasting back in believe I started, I found podcasts back in about 2011. And from there, I would listen every single day on the way to work, to and from work, and it was two hour drive each way. So I had tons of time to listen to podcasts, but a lot of people weren't producing a ton of content. So eventually, I stumbled on John Lee Dumas and um, listened to what he was doing. And one of the reasons I listened to him so frequently and it was kind of painful in the beginning. It was a little bit awkward, and uh, I was a little bit um, self-conscious for him for how he started out. So if he can start out and do what he's done and build his empire, and he will tell you this, uh, anyone can. So don't let your inability to be smooth and, you know, just really good in the beginning keep you from putting out your podcast. But one of the things that happened is he produced enough content that I could listen to him very frequently because back in the day, um, I think the, you know, the Fizzle show was putting out maybe one show a week and Pat Flynn was putting out a show every two weeks, maybe. And then John Lee Dumas came along and boom, he was putting out day after day after day of content. So I could listen to him and his interviews really you know, to fill up the space I had while I was driving to work. And one of the things that started happening is about six months after he began his podcast is he started posting uh, income reports. And, you know, Pat Flynn does it. And John Lee Dumas kind of took that model and also began posting income reports. And it was so interesting to me because here I was, you know, driving to work every day and going two hours each way to work and a job that, you know, controlled my life and didn't fully appreciate what I was doing and what I could bring to the table. And I was constrained by all of this systems and things and limitations within this company I was working for. And when John Lee Dumas started putting out his income reports, like he didn't put one out until he was making, I don't know, I don't know if his first one was like, you know, 10 grand a month or something like that on his podcast. 
And it was so interesting to me to see that grow. And, you know, before he knew it, he was doing 35000 a month. And before he knew it, it was 65000 a month. And then it got into six figures a month. And I was like, oh, my God, this guy is making six figures in a month. And I am working and surrendering my entire life for a year to barely squeak out six figures in a year. And, you know, when he was talking about those big numbers, in my mind, you know, to me, I didn't need to make $100,000 a month. But if I made 10% of that, how life changing would that be for me? And that was all I was looking for. So I thought, you know, I'll start a podcast. And my um, heart and my passion is local businesses. And it's you know, since I guess the 2008 recession, whenever local businesses have struggled so much, and we've seen so many go in and out and it turn over and people's dreams have been crushed since then. Um, there's a whole new crushing going on right now. But that that was sort of my pivot point for becoming sort of a local business advocate, or even making it a principle in my life that when I have the option to support local businesses, even if it doesn't mean I'm getting the best deal financially, that I will do that because the impact to my community and the fact that I have these local businesses is something I want to support and I want to patronize their services and their businesses so that they stay. Um, we can't be run completely by the internet and the big companies shipping to us. So anyway, so I had a passion for local business and I began a local business podcast. And like I say, my goal was, you know, I thought, man, I don't know, don't know what I how I would monetize this. But if I if John Lee Dumas is doing a podcast, and he can make 100,000 a month, I don't need to make like if I made a fraction of that, I would be it would, it would just change my world. And so I started my local business podcast. And it was I was basically I was not doing it for any specific geographic area, but one of the things that I was doing was um, reaching out, and I was doing five day a week. I followed the John Lee Dumas model of five days a week interview show, where I was doing everything myself. I was you know editing and writing the show notes and putting it all out there, uh, but I was also having to reach out to a ton of local businesses. Now you got to remember this back in like 2012 and local businesses did not know what a podcast was yet. In fact, the general public didn't know what a podcast was yet. And so um, it, it was like, I would have to, I had set a goal where I would uh, reach out to 10 businesses a day via cold email. And I started figuring out how to set Google alerts so that I could uh, get them to send me notifications whenever certain you know, brick and mortar or local business or, you know, those types of words began coming up in Google um, alerts. So I would reach out to those people that were doing things and they were adding extra locations and they were, you know, I would do even sometimes like, you know, grand opening and, and that sort of thing to um, get alerts for what's going on in people's local areas. And then I would reach out to those business owners and I would introduce myself and I had a you know local business podcast and I want to just talk to them about what they were doing for their local businesses. And 
many times they would come back to me and be like, um, how much does this cost? You know, and of course, I was like, oh, podcasts are free. It's, you know, you just come on and you give me an interview and I give you exposure and that sort of thing. So for a year and a half, I did it. So I had over 150 episodes of a local business podcast. And the interesting thing was that I could have had an extensive network of local business owners to do something with, you know, even teach those local business owners how to podcast. But I wasn't thinking like that. I think I had the, I think I remember having the thought whenever I would listen to marketing people and they would say, the money is in the list. The money is in the list. And you don't have a business until you have a list. And I didn't understand that. I thought, you know, even if these people gave me their email addresses, like, you know, I can find out what their email addresses are most of the time. You go to their website or, you know, that sort of thing. And until I really got, you know, ankle deep into marketing, I didn't understand what they meant about the the money is in the list because I thought, what am I going, like, what would I do to send those people an email about that would cause me to make money? And so it's like, I was trying to put it together in my head and get my arms wrapped around it. And I think that's where, you know, a lot of podcasters come to podcasting for, for, for the content from the content paradigm. They, they have a message they want to share and not from a marketing background and not from a marketing perspective, as far as understanding, getting people into their email list and, and how that works and even why that's important. And so I, for a year and a half, did five day a week interview show with local business owners all across the country that were doing great things in their community. And to this day, many of them still have their local businesses open. So you're looking at, you know, more than eight years now down the road, these local businesses that I talked to, many of them are surviving and thriving and, you know, serving their communities well, even during global pandemic, you know. So it's interesting um, that I did that and let completely go by me the fact that I needed to begin capturing email addresses. And in my mind, I was like, well, maybe I would send them out a notification that said, hey, you got another podcast. And this is the person that's featured on the podcast. But what I didn't understand and what I didn't sort of have a 30,000 foot view on is how I would make money for this podcast. I was not a local business owner at the time. I was a local business advocate. I wanted to share, you know, back in that time, a lot of people didn't understand even sometimes the difference between a a completely independent local business and a local business like a franchisee of a national chain. They didn't understand what the difference was between a company-owned store or unit from a chain versus one that was locally owned and operated. They also didn't understand many times what, what the economic impact was for two stores that one is a mom-and-pop business completely independent in their community and what that does for their community versus what the difference is between a franchise coming to putting a a location in their community. And by that, I mean the economic impact of the mom and pop is going to, you know, have their supply chain as local as possible. They're going to hire people. They're going to turn around and their tax base, uh, the the taxes that they're charging are going to go back into the community and uh, those sorts of things. Whereas with 
with a franchise, it was money was always going back to the home office and the supply chain came straight out of the home office and the distribution channels there. And so it was a very different economic model and impact of those communities. So I could have done a lot of things, but I didn't fully understand marketing at that time. And so I think I was like many podcasters. In fact, I see myself in many podcasters starting out right now, where you want to get the content out. You don't really know how to monetize it. You don't know if you'll ever have enough downloads to get sponsors. And what in the heck are you going to do with an email list anyway? And the whole point of having an email list is, and and they say, let me just put it in quotes, they say that even if you're bad at marketing, which I would have considered myself bad at marketing when I first started my podcast, as many of you might be, you might be, again, from the content paradigm. But what happened was, they would say, if you can get whatever number of people on your list, your email list, and you're marketing to them, even if you're doing it badly, you should be able to count on getting a dollar a month from every email list subscriber that you have. And it it doesn't, I mean, it's not that every single one of them give you a dollar, but let's just say you have an email list of 500. You should be able to predictably bring in $500 a month of revenue um, from your email list. It doesn't mean that all 500 are going to give you a dollar, but you might have uh, 10 people on your email list buy your $50 product, right? So, and then you've also heard there was a thing several years ago of um, 1,000 true fans. Like they were basically saying, if you have... Uh, a thousand true fans that you essentially can have enough support financially to have a full-time business. So there's been these different sort of models and things like that thrown out. But as podcasters, what do we do? We get in, you know, get into iTunes and get into all the directories and the distribution. And we, you know, try to blow out our social media and have it going everywhere. And every single post is about, you know, promotion of our podcast and who's on and what we're doing. And, you know, it gets very few likes. It's very few, very little traction. And sometimes we don't really know how we're doing. We we think, you know, I, and I get this from all the time from podcasters. They launch and they go, well, I had 87 downloads today. Is that is that good? Is that bad? I don't really know. And, you know, what I always tell people is that, I mean, based on what we see, we see a quite a wide range, but your first goal is to get to that first 500 downloads, right? And then after that, shoot for a thousand. And then once you get a thousand downloads every single month, then what'll happen is you'll gradually begin growing and then 3,000 comes and then 5,000 comes. Before you know it, 10,000 will be there and it's easier to get from 5,000 to 10,000 than it is from zero to 5,000. So it's just like exponential growth. But what happens is if you look at it, That download number is what every podcaster is hyper-focused on. I'm talking about they look at their downloads, and if it's a good download day, they have a good day. If it's a bad download day, their imposter syndrome takes over. They're questioning everything they're doing. They don't know if they're good enough. They don't know if they're, um, you know saying the right thing. They're looking for ways to improve because suddenly they only got 50 downloads that day and it wasn't as good as their best day. And so it kind of puts you in this cycle of 
um, it's almost like a popularity contest and you're either winning it or you're losing it. But even then, if you're winning it or losing it, like you don't know how everyone else is doing. And so you get in the Facebook groups and what happens if you're in a Facebook podcasting group? Oh my gosh, there's always some, we'll just say there's always some jerk. How about that? Some jerk there that's going to be putting a post of their stats and they're going to say, Oh, you guys, I got to finally got to 100,000 downloads or finally got to a million downloads or, you know, whatever it is. And they'll, you know, or somebody else might post a a image and be like, you guys, I'm really struggling with my podcast because I'm only getting 10,000 downloads a month. And I just feel like, you know, Joe Rogan gets millions every month and other people getting millions. I just feel like they must be doing something or they must know something that I don't know. What am I doing wrong? And all of this is sort of like that, you know, that A student who gets a 99 on their test and they complain to the teacher, they feel really down on it. Meanwhile, the rest of the class got an 85 and they're happy with it. So it's almost like, come on now, really, don't be putting on a fake, uh, you know, a fake pity party for yourself because you have 10,000 downloads in a month. But what you have to realize is (laughs) downloads in all actuality mean nothing. They are a vanity metric. And when I say they're a vanity metric, I literally mean that there is zero dollars in revenue attached to the number of downloads that you have. Now, many people will use, they think downloads are important because they're going after sponsorships, right? And sponsors want to know how many downloads you have. Well, they don't want to know how many downloads you have in a month. They want to know how many downloads you have per episode, basically 30 days after you publish it. So if they're paying for advertising for the month, they want to know essentially how many ears they're going to get in front of. Is it a thousand? Is it 10,000? Is it a hundred thousand? Is it 1.2 million? And they're willing to pay fractionally based on the number of ears they, they get in front of. So downloads do not equal dollars unless you are in that elite class that has sponsorships attached to it. And many times you can improve your downloads and still not get more sponsorship money because the pricing model is very off. But that's content for another podcast for another day. But here's the real metric. And the real metric is how many people are you getting on your email list from your podcast? And if you're like most podcasters, you start your show and you may put a little opt-in on your website to say, hey, join our newsletter. And then I ask the podcaster about, so what do do you do for your newsletter? And they're like, well, I don't know. I don't have one yet. I guess as soon as someone signs up, I'll start one. (laughs) So so, um, you're asking people to give your email address for an unknown, ambiguous newsletter or something that's coming out. But that's not really a compelling offer, right? So... One of the things that I like to tell people to focus on, and I'll give you an example of a story that um, of conversation I had the other day with a podcast client, but the whole thing about downloads versus email opt-ins are that you can actually monetize your email list when you have the right products, when you have, when you're, you're, you know, bringing people into your funnel and you have them going, ascending to the next highest ticket value thing that you're offering. And then you take them on the, the whole 
customer journey and you should be able to know, you know, what what an average cart value is when you send out an offer and you should be able to know what a lifetime value of your client is and what the number of months of retention of that client. I mean, all those are metrics that you're going to be able to measure from a marketing perspective. But so many people that start their podcasts don't understand what it takes to actually get an email opt-in from your podcast. I have a, a podcaster that recently started out and it's funny because he's like, you know, I've been, I've been talking about it. I've been saying, you know, go to my website and sign it for my newsletter. And he's like, I looked the other day and like after, I think he's on episode 10, maybe it's episode 11 this week. He has like nine people that have signed up for his newsletter. And it's very interesting to me because he wasn't really sure. He's like, I felt like it would be like a lot faster. And I've had other podcasters tell me that, you know, they're like terribly upset whenever the first day their podcast launches that their website's not (laughs) up and running. And they're like, oh, my opt-in doesn't work. You know, I've missed all this. I've missed all this traffic. And it's like, you you wish you did. You, You fantasize that there's a lot of traffic out there that you miss. But in actuality, when people are listening to a podcast on a podcast uh, app, and they're on their mobile phone, they're at the gym, and they're doing these other things, like very rarely will they stop and opt in for whatever you're giving away. Newsletter, um, maybe there's a checklist or something else that you're giving away. But they're not, it's like a, it's like a pattern interrupt for them to even try to opt into something because they're in podcast listening mode, they're at the gym, they're doing things. So many people have a lot better success whenever they do the text to, to opt in. And they'll say, you know, text the word value to 33444 to get whatever it is you're giving away. But here's the thing. You have to work really hard to get those email opt-ins. So I'll tell you a quick story. I had a client the other day and she sent me an email and she's growing her podcast and uh, wanting to eventually offer memberships. And, you know, she's got all these big plans, but at this point they're unmonetized. So she emailed me the other day and she's like, oh, I've got some extra time for my podcast because of coronavirus and essentially all my events and meetings and speaking engagements have been canceled. So I'm at home. Basically, I'm turned into a stay at home mom homeschooling my kids for a while. So I was just thinking about um, my podcast album cover. And, you know, I don't really know. I just kind of put it together whenever we started and I don't really know if it's compelling or not. I mean, I'm, it's not particularly compelling to me, um, but I just, you know, put it out there and, you know, the, she mentioned the colors of it and, you know, she's like, I guess it doesn't repel people, but does it really draw people in? And so she was saying, should, you know, she's basically saying, should I update my album cover and what is involved in that? And sometimes podcasters will ask these types of questions. I get that a lot. I get, uh, oh, Christy, I was thinking about, I'm really wanting to take my podcast to the next level and thinking about upgrading my mic and I've been eyeing that Heil PR40 $400 microphone and right now I'm just using the ATR2100 so it's like a 300 and something dollar more um, you know expensive podcast mic and I think that's gonna help improve my show and then the podcaster gets the microphone and they don't realize that either they 
don't have they now they need a mixer because they the high old is an xlr mic and they can't plug it right into their usb port on their mic on their computer and so now they've got to get the you know they got the 400 microphone and they have to get the 150 dollars interface um, maybe more and they've done all this but then they don't know how to work it and so they actually give me this audio and they're like ah I tried recording on my new mic and it, oh, I sound awful. And what they don't realize is like they bought themselves a much more technologically advanced microphone for um, sort of like audiophiles and audio professionals because they were thinking that if they upgraded their mic, somehow they would get more listeners to their podcast. Well, this was the same thing that was happening. I, I, I sort of began to see these, it's almost like uh, smoke screens coming in from podcasters when they send me these types of emails. And this particular person upgrading their artwork, I kind of look at it the same way. So I sent her this email, and I'm sure it wasn't at all what she was expecting. And I thought, oh, God, I hope she takes it in the right way, because um, I don't really want to try to offend her or anything like that. But I started down the path and saying, well, if you look at your artwork and you look at what we know are best practices, in other words, do you have an easily readable thumbnail? Do you have high contrast colors on there? Does it attract attention? And her title is one that is really like immediately um, intriguing and sort of mystifying because you don't know what side of the issue or the niche she'll come down on. And so literally this client had nailed so many of the basics when it came to naming her podcast, creating her original artwork, but there was something nagging inside of her thinking, I need to change something. So I said, let's just back up and let's talk about what you're really wanting to do. You're probably thinking, if I change my artwork, maybe I'll get more podcast listeners. And that that might be true, although there's there's not a lot of data to support, like if, you know, no one's done a split test that I know of that said, I posted sucky artwork and here's what I did. And then I changed my artwork and nothing else didn't change the way I marketed it, didn't change anything else about my podcast. And suddenly for, you know, the same period of time, I had this many more listeners from my podcast or new listeners or new downloads or whatever. So there's not a lot of data that will tell us what the ROI on changing out your artwork is. Now, don't get me wrong. So a lot of people need to swap out their artwork. A lot of people need to change the name of their podcast because it was named wrong incorrectly. But that wasn't the case for this lady. So one of the things that I said to her was, you're asking because I think what you're you're asking about artwork, but I think what you're really asking for is about audience growth and how do you grow your audience? And if you look at the reason, like, why do you want to grow your audience? Because you somehow believe that you'll be able to better monetize your audience whenever you have more of them. But here's the truth. If you haven't monetized your podcast whenever you have a thousand downloads a month, you're not going to monetize it when you have 2,000 downloads a month. And if you haven't monetized your podcast when you have 5,000 downloads a month, you're not going to monetize your podcast 
because you suddenly have 10,000 downloads a month. And, and why do I say that? Well, I say that because, like, what is the magic number for you to start monetizing your podcast? Well, people will tell you, oh, if you want sponsors, you need 10,000 downloads a month. That's what people say all the time. Well, it depends if you're going to try to get mid-roll or some other big company to get podcast advertising for you, or if you're going to use a podcast advertising agency to do that. Yeah, that might be their threshold, their minimum requirements for you to sort of get in. But even then, it doesn't mean you'll get sponsors. I mean, people are using, is it Podcorn? I think people are, uh, Podcorn, yeah, they're using Podcorn because it's supposed to be like a matching, an agency, like we've got advertisers here that are looking to advertise on podcasts and you've got podcasts, so let's just create like Match.com for podcasters and advertisers, and that's what the platform sort of is, but there's many people that are on there and they've been pitching and they've been putting stuff out there, but they still aren't monetized, they still don't have a sponsor. And I'm not talking about this from a sponsor perspective, but that's where everyone's mind goes whenever you talk about monetization for your podcast and why you want to grow your audience. So what I said to this client is, number one, you're, you're, you're looking at the wrong metric to predict your growth. And one of the things that you need to do is change the metric that you're looking at. And instead of putting your time and your effort into things that are going to give you negligible or an unknown amount of ROI, as far as actual money in your pocket, why don't you focus on the metrics that really matter? And the one metric with podcasting that really, really matters is how many people you have on your email list. So I said, throw, don't, don't even look at your stats from your podcast host. Throw those out the window because that's not your real metric anyway. Focus on every day. What can I do to get email opt-ins today? Now, what this will cause you to do is it'll cause you to, number one, start testing offers. It starts causes you to start being cognizant of how many people are opting into your email list every day. So if you said, even if you just said, (laughs) like my guy that had, uh, he's 10 episodes in and he has nine people on his list. And by the way, we have a newsletter that are going to those nine people, right? Because we, we, we're going to do these things that are good business practices anyway, to help grow, the whole podcast and the list and everything like that. So when you begin and you say, I have nine people in the last 10 episodes that have signed up. So what can I do to get 10 people this week to opt in on my email list? Put that as your goal. Put it above your computer. 10 opt-ins. Day one, how many opt-ins did you get? You got zero. Great. You got six days to get 10. Where are you going to get them from? And so you begin focusing on, you remember, what you measure and what you report on will grow. So you want to begin focusing all your efforts on what can I do to get people to opt into my email list. Now you'll begin testing offers. You might begin looking at what can I do to give things away? What can I do to create things that people will give me their email in exchange for. Maybe let's just talk about some of the ways you can get email opt-ins. Maybe you need to have like a challenge, you know, 
Maybe you need to have uh, some sort of, I've seen people do challenges. I've seen people do um, some things like joint venture type things where it's like, I'm doing a webinar with this person. And if you want to sign up for it, here you go. And so what do they have to do in order to sign up for the webinar? They have to give you their email opt-in. Well, there's an email opt-in. Now someone is on your list because you gave them something that was worth them signing up for. They don't get the link to the webinar if they don't sign up for it right? You're not just putting out the link to the webinar on social media saying, hey, come to my webinar. You want those people to opt in. Why do you want them to opt in? You want them on your list. Same thing with a challenge. You might need, I mean, whether you are trying to improve your uh, email opt-in challenge or whether you are trying to uh, declutter your house challenge or whether you're trying to go chemical-free on your uh, your uh cleaning products on your house or whether you are trying to uh, lose weight or you're trying to go let's get off of sugar for a week let's do a sugar detox challenge it doesn't matter what it is there's something within your niche that you could challenge people to do for uh, even seven days five days, seven days, 14 days, whatever the challenge is, you could create that challenge, get people to sign up for it. And then you begin leading that group, that small group of people. One of the challenges I did a few years ago, because it was something I had to work on was my live streaming. And I did a live streaming challenge where for 30 days, actually, my challenge was for 14 days. But I made myself do a 30 day challenge on my own, just so I could get over my phobia of live streaming. And so I did a 14 day challenge with these people on every single day they had a task they had to do and they had a story they had to tell about their live streaming so it was giving them sort of a prompt where every day and then they could report back on their results and we did a Facebook group where we talked about what we were doing and so those people got on my email list because they wanted that content and then I led them through that so now when they think about live streaming they think about me and they think about how I helped them or how I uh, got them to go do that challenge so they no longer have that fear and that phobia and that insecurity about being um, doing live streams so there's tons of things that you can do you can begin uh, I had a client one time that she decided in her in her podcast she wanted to get more people. She wanted to talk to more of her listeners, so she decided to give away. Uh, I think it was like fifty over the course of a month, fifty fifteen minute calls, one on one calls with her, where all you had to do is just go to her schedule and sign up for it, and then you know you got on her email list of course, because you had to sign up for the, the time. And then during that 15 minutes, she would meet with you and she would talk to you about anything that she could help you with, um, anything that she, uh, she was a mom and kind of in the mom space. So she was able to uh, do, do consultations that way. Well, she was able to increase, I think in her, in her, that month, you know, obviously she had her, her schedule capped at 50 people, but she got 50 people on her email list. And then she got other people saying, when are you going to do that again? You know, so then she could put up a waiting list and get them to opt in to be notified whenever she opened up her calendar for that again. So she got way more than 50 downloads, not 50 downloads, 50 emails from putting it out there, which is way more valuable than 50 downloads of an unknown person that she will never know who it was and never know how it impacted. She got a chance to talk to 50 of her podcast listeners. She had a lot of great feedback. 
She knew exactly what they needed and exactly how to serve them after that. So there are tons of things that you can do. But what you'll begin doing is when you focus on the podcast, bringing in email opt-ins versus the podcast getting downloads, now you have something tangible. So when you do launch your first product or you have an offer that you're going to put out to your audience, because you have an email opt-in, you have a list of email opt-ins, you begin marketing to those people. And when you begin marketing to those people, the bigger your list is, the more organic traffic that you don't have to pay for, for to get to that offer. So if I have an email list of 10,000 people, and I send out an offer to those 10,000 people, that's 10,000 impressions that I don't have to pay Facebook for. That's 10,000 impressions or clicks that I don't have to get Google to charge me for because they're on my list. So I get those for free. So part of the reason for growing your email list is because that is where the money is in your business. And so you want to grow your list as much as you can with your podcast. So my challenge and the one thing that you can do to really focus on the metric that will make you the most money is begin focusing on how many email opt-ins do you have this week. And don't be embarrassed to say it's two, but you know what? That's okay because my goal next week is five. If I get five the next week, okay, the goal after that is 10. And begin to grow it exponentially so that after a year, you might have a thousand people on your email list. 1,000 true fans, you know what they say about that. So please don't get caught up in the hype about downloads. Downloads mean nothing. I have a client that gets 100,000 or more downloads a month on the podcast, and they haven't monetized it. Downloads mean nothing. I've also had clients that started a podcast, named it incorrectly, and got 700 downloads a month. Then they renamed it and got 2,000 downloads a month. Then they podcasted for another year or two, and then they renamed it again and finally started getting to the point where they're getting 10,000 downloads a month. And eventually they came to me and said, Christy, I'm going to stop my podcast. I'm like, why are you going to stop your podcast? You're getting 10,000 downloads a month, baby. And she said, but I'm not making any money. (laughs) So it's not really about downloads. Downloads don't don't fill the void in your bank account. Downloads don't fill uh, what your need is for revenue. Um, So don't be confused. I want you to have your focus on the metrics that matter. And downloads are vanity metrics. So we're not going to even focus on those. Who cares how many downloads you get? Would you care how many downloads you get if your email list was growing by 100 people a week? You wouldn't care. Put things into focus. Put a number. Look at your opt-ins. Most people, most podcasters, start an email list, they get MailChimp, they don't know how to connect it all, they put a opt-in or pop-up on their website, and they never go in and check and see how many people they're getting on their email list. They Maybe they don't know how to check it. Maybe they don't know. But what can you do? What offer can you make? What can you put out there? What can you give away to get more people on your list? And obviously, I'm talking about doing this in an ethical way. But that is what will move the needle for you. So, Take the challenge, 
my challenge, my personal challenge to you. And maybe at some point in time, I will make it a challenge where we go for email opt-ins. And that's what we're looking for, for a specific, I can't say that word, specific number of days and seeing what we can do to move the needle and just all brainstorming and borrowing ideas from each other and all trying to grow our list because that's where our focus should be. I will also say this, if you're a podcaster and you've thought about running advertising to try to get more downloads, stop doing that. You don't know what the return, there's zero conversions you can get from a a download on a podcast for advertising. But what you can do and can measure is test an offer and put some ad dollars behind it couple bucks a day on Facebook. You never know. You might need to start a Facebook group. And one of the questions you ask people whenever they come in is, what is your email address so I can send you a special gift? Maybe 60, 70, 80 percent of those people will answer that question. Well, that's going to grow your email list. Understand what metrics really matter. Focus on email collection and don't even worry about your downloads. I guarantee you, if you did that for a year it will change your business. It will change your life. So that's my thoughts for today. That's my monetization secret for today is get your one thing. Get your one thing in focus. Dial it in. Get it on autopilot so every day more people are piling in. Man, if you did this when you first started podcasting, you've been podcasting five years from now, you have no idea how many people you could have on your list. You might have a list of 25,000 on your email list. That would be huge. So understand, you get to 25,000 by getting 10 this week, 15 next week, 20 the next week, and on and on. Focus on the email opt-ins. All right. If you want to talk about more about podcast monetization. I do have a Facebook group that we're just getting started where we're going to geek out on all the ways to monetize your podcast. And you can join us on Facebook. It's uh, facebook.com and go into the groups and look for podcast monetization secrets. Join us over there and come back for the next episode where we're going to be talking about another aspect of monetizing your podcast so that you can build the life of your dreams. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to continue the conversation about how to monetize your podcast, I want to invite you to join our private Facebook group. Just go to facebook.com forward slash podcast monetization secrets and click the button to join. And then I'll see you on the inside.